Hey everyone, we're so glad that you've tuned in for this message today. I believe God gave me a word for you and I believe the word of God is going to bring you strength. I believe God's going to bring someone comfort and take someone to a new level. I want you to watch this message that the Lord gave me and at the end, I'm gonna come back and we're gonna pray for you. God bless you, enjoy this word. Get ready with me and, and turn to 2 Chronicles 20. I'm gonna read momentarily. It's the 4th of July. You're here in church. You have chosen to come worship God on a Sunday, the 4th of July. And I think it's appropriate that I'm going to preach about battles today because we have our freedom today because of the battles that those who came before us won. They were victorious. They had a vision for what they saw and wanted their country to look like. They had a vision for freedom. And we've sung about it all day long. And now I'm going to talk about it a little bit. Second Chronicles 2 chapter 20. I heard a, a story about a little old lady who went to a Bible study and upon coming home she found a, a huge large man intruder in her home and she panicked and she didn't know what to do but the Bible study had been on this topic your weapon is his word. So they kept telling her in the Bible study to use the word as the weapon, use the word as the weapon. And so she knew that she was supposed to quote scripture at this large intruder, this giant of a man in her home. But she couldn't remember what the scripture said. All she could remember was where it was found. So in a panic-stricken mode, this little old lady runs at this large man and starts screaming, Acts 2.38, Acts 2.38, Acts 2.38. And for some unknown reason, the man fell to his knees, put his hands behind his head, and laid on the ground until the police got there. Now, what happened next is what's most curious to me because they separated the man and the woman when the police got there, and they went and they interviewed the woman. They said, ma'am, we don't understand. You're a feeble old lady, and this is a giant of a man. How did you get him? to submit and she said well the Bible study told me to quote scripture and I just couldn't remember so I just started ch chanting Acts 238 that was the scripture that we studied tonight and they said oh, that doesn't make any sense so they go in the other room and they ask this giant of a man and said sir why would you succumb to this little old lady he said that lady's crazy he said, she came in this house and started screaming at me. She said, I got an ax and I got two 38s. Your weapon is his word. Your weapon is his word. Somebody's going to get free today on Freedom Day. Somebody's going to experience freedom like you've never experienced it before. Somebody's going to chant Acts 2.38, and your giant is going to fall today. Amen? 2 Chronicles 20, verse 17. Grab these eight words right here. Grab these eight words. You will not have to fight this battle. Somebody claim that today. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position. Stand firm. See the deliverance the Lord will give you. Judah, Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow. And these five words, 
the Lord will be with you. Somebody receive that. Jehoshaphat bowed down to the ground, and all the people of, Israel, of Judah and Jerusalem fell down worshiping before the Lord. Verse 20, early in the morning, they said, Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Check this out. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. Anybody want to be successful? I just told you how. Have faith. Skip down to 22. As they begin to sing and praise, I never, I never saw this before. The Lord set ambushes. The Lord set ambushes. Tell somebody, God doesn't fight fair. The Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Maser who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. They rose up against the men from Maser to destroy and annihilate them, and after they finished slaughtering the men, they helped destroy one another. What that means is God had them fighting amongst themselves. God turned armies against themselves to where Jehoshaphat's team didn't even have to do anything. And you can read verse 25 about the plunder was so great, it took three days to gather it together, the victory. Lord, help us to receive this word today. Lord, I pray that it falls on receptive ears. Speak through me with clarity and precision. Lord, we are your servants. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. You will not have to fight this battle. The Lord will be with you. The title of my message today, we've been talking a lot. I got two kids, and, and they, they play ball and, and a lot of different stuff, and they're in school, and they need to make good grades, and they face challenges every day. And my favorite word in the English language is confidence. Have confidence. Believe in yourself. You can do all things through Christ. You serve a God who owns it all. Have confidence, confidence, confidence. So I preach this for 22 years to my oldest and 20 to my youngest. And one day sitting in the car recently, my wife said, you know what confidence is? She said, confidence is having faith in God. She said, it ought to be called Godfidence. The title of my message today is Living in Godfidence. Living in Godfidence, having faith in the one who created it all, the one who holds the keys to it all, living in Godfidence. It's interesting to me that it says, have faith and you will be successful. It says, the Lord set ambushes. It said they turned on each other. One translation said they accidentally, <laughs> I think that's funny, accidentally killed each other. They had friendly fire. See, we didn't have to fight this battle. The Lord said it was not his battle to fight, that he would fight for him. And it said they only saw, verse 24 said, they only saw dead bodies when they arrived, for no one had escaped. They killed each other. They did not have to fight this battle. What's interesting to me is what leads up to the battle. You know, if you, if you want to understand how to win, there's a game plan. There's, there's something that takes place. There's preparation. When I coached, we watched film on the other team, and we would break it down, and we would try to understand what, if they held up two fingers, what did that mean? What was about to happen? So here's what I always like to do. I like to go back and read and try to understand, why did this even happen? What was going on? And I love the, the story of Jehoshaphat. See, in verse 2, it said that a vast army was coming up, and three tribes had combined. The Moabites, Ammonites, and Midianites had combined, and they were coming up from behind with the element of surprise, and they were going to attack. 
And Jehoshaphat didn't find out until it was too late. He did not have time to say, hey, okay, here's what we're going to do and get the stick in the dirt. And, you know, modern day, we'd get the dry erase board out and we would draw circles and X's and arrows and all this. He didn't have time for all that. He said, I'm calling today for us to fast and pray. I'm calling today for us to fast and pray. I'm reminded of the story and being in church work most of my life. I'm reminded of the story of the pastor who was facing some serious challenges and he had to go meet with his board and his council and his elders and his deacons and he had them all assembled together and he walked in he said brethren and sistren we're in trouble we're facing a dire strait and I need you right now before we do anything else I need us to pray and one of the deacons in the back said oh my god has it come to that sometimes we want to strategize and we want to prepare before we pray I ask you today, do you worry about your circumstances more than you pray about your circumstances? Do you prepare your statement? Do you talk about your circumstances more than you ask God to help you in those circumstances? Do you lay in bed at night at 3 a.m. and figure out how to get out of it? Or do you just say, God, this is not my battle. I will not have to fight this battle. This is your battle. Turn my enemies against themselves and let them take themselves out so I don't even have to do anything. Fasting and praying. So in verse 5, it says that Jehoshaphat knew the word, and he used the word. See, your word, his word is your weapon. And here's what I love. I love it when you have enough confidence to tell God, not only am I going to use the word, but I'm going to quote it back to you. For I know who you are, and you know I know who you are. And that's what Jehoshaphat did in this scripture. He said, God, he said, you know good and well We had them on the run, and we could have taken them out. But we turned the other cheek, and we let them get away. Now, this is how they're going to repay us. And in verse 10, he actually says this in the Ritchie translation. He says, this is not my fault. What are you going to do about it? See, he gave it over to God. He was just minding his business. He didn't do anything wrong, much like Job. Did nothing wrong. But sometimes you've got to quote the word back to God. He needs to know that you know the Word, that you're studying the Word, that you're bathed in the Word. So he asked God, he said, what are you going to do about it? And then all of that leads up to this eight-word answer. The question is, what are you going to do about it? And God says in 17, you will not have to fight this battle. I will be with you. I will take care of it. And by the way, in verse uh, 25, eight verses later, you just go get all their stuff. Take it back. It's going to become yours. You will not have to fight this battle. Those are the key words. Your weapon is his word. It was third grade at the George R. Stewart Elementary School. Miss Helen Avery's class, we had a bully. We had a giant in our class. And he wanted to fight every day. And every day he challenged people to a fight for no apparent reason, just His identity was fighting. He was good at it. Couldn't do a whole lot else. Wasn't class superlative as far as grades, but he was good at fighting. No truth, no no lie. This guy's name was Scrap Iron. That was his name. Now, he had a name on his birth certificate, but nobody called him that. He was Scrap Iron. In the third grade, Scrap Iron chewed tobacco. He dipped skull and he spit. Cussed like a sailor. 
in the third grade. He went through the entire class in Miss Avery's third grade class and whipped every one of them. And it came my turn. I'm like Jehoshaphat. I'm just minding my own business. For I had infinite wisdom in the third grade, man. I'm a lover, not a fighter. I don't want to fight you. Every day he'd come up, we're going to fight after school. And I'd say, no, man, I'm not. I'm, I'm writing a love letter. Will you go with me? Yes. No. If no, please explain why. Scrap iron every day. I'm going to get a piece of you. We're going, we're going out back after school. We're going to fight. We're going to... No, man, I don't want to fight. One day it occurred to me that this wasn't going to stop until I faced my giant. Until I said, you know what? I'm going to bow up to this bully. I'm going to confront this chump. I said, okay, we'll fight today. We're going to fight today. Right after school, we're going to walk. Because back then you walked to school. You walked to and from school, right? Anybody remember those days? And we didn't have GPS and location services. My mom and dad who are here today, I'm, I'm so grateful. Can y'all give it up for my mom and dad? Important, important people in my life and the formation of who I am wouldn't be here today without my mom and dad. But we would walk home from school and get out at 3, and we'd stop off at Joe's house, and we would play baseball for about an hour. And then we'd go over to Tom's house and play football for about an hour. And then we'd go over to Jerry's house and play basketball for about an hour. And I'd be home at 6 and we'd eat dinner. And we didn't need, I, I asked them to put this, we didn't need Dasani and Fiji and Core and all that. We had a garden hose. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You can mix all these up in a blender and it ain't as good as that garden hose. No water ever tasted as good as the garden hose. Any witnesses? So that one day we walked, and we ended up at a vacant house in a carport. I said carport, not garage. We were in a carport, and I faced my giant. And right before we squared off, I thought, my God, what am I doing? What are you going to do about this? This shouldn't be my battle. I did nothing wrong. I got saved at nine years old. I knew Jesus was my Savior. I was new in Christ, but I was raised in a Christian home. So I'm like, God, what are you going to do? And for whatever reason, I looked down on that carport floor right before we squared off, and there was a paper clip on the ground. And I picked that paper clip up, and I stood like this, and I said, Scrap, check this out. And he came over, and he looked, and I wound up from right here, and I went, Bow! <laughs> and I hit him with the uppercut of all uppercuts, sucker punched him, Laid him out on his rear end. He's bleeding out of the mouth and the nose. And it was one and done. That was the last time Scrap Iron ever picked on me. That was the last time Scrap Iron ever picked a fight. Well, Richie, you should have turned the other cheek. Now, I put him on his cheeks. Picked him up after I dotted that eye. He never fought anybody else. You know why? Because we confronted that chump. We bowed up to our enemy. I faced my giant in that day. And with that fight, that battle being won, I not only got my freedom, I got freedom for the whole third grade. He never picked on us again. 
And I tell my two girls all the time, because, you know, girls can fight. Girls don't fight fair. Girls are ugly to each other. Girls call each other out on social media and say things about each other and call each other names, gossip about each other. I always tell my girls two things. Number one, don't ever start a fight. That is not biblical. But number two, don't ever back away from one. Don't ever back away from a fight. Face your giants. Call them out. You wonder what happened to Scrap Iron? We became friends. We went to middle school. We played baseball together. I was a shortstop. He was second base. He was wide receiver. I was a quarterback. We became friends. That one day changed everything. I faced my giants. Third grade, I've not been in a fight since. Not one time. The rest of elementary school, I didn't have to because I had knocked out the giant. Simply by facing the giant. There was another giant in 1 Samuel verse, uh, chapter 17. This giant stood nine feet, nine inches tall. And I would imagine if he had it, he would have chewed tobacco and skull. And I know he cussed. He had to cuss like a sailor back then. And he picked a fight every day. For 40 days, he kept calling out people wanting to fight. And there was a lot on the line in 1 Samuel. Because his fight was, if I beat you, your people will be enslaved to our people. But if you beat me, <laughs> we will be enslaved to you. Not one man among all Israel would take the fight. No one dared to move to face this giant. Everyone was scared to death of this ironclad, armored from head to toe. It was so precise that it was overlaid. It was like fish scales. There was, it was unpenetrable. You couldn't get through the armor that was on Goliath. He had a shield. He had a sword. He had a javelin. He had a helmet. He was undefeatable. I love the song they just sang, Undefeated. Goliath was perceived to be something that he really wasn't. There was only one opening in all of this armor, and it was around his eyes. The idea was so he could see. Mark that. If you're writing notes, the idea was so he could see. It was to allow him to have vision. That's the only opening on all of the armor of Goliath. That's all he had. But there was a little shepherd boy who came along and said, I don't like this old foul mouth guy talking trash. And he goes to King Saul and he says, let me fight him. King Saul said, you're out of your mind. You are not going to fight him. But David was insistent. He said, I want to fight. Saul said, no. David was adamant. He said, I can take him down. I defeated the lion and the bear. And I have confidence that I can take that giant down. King Saul said, well, at least put on all my armor. David put it on and it weighted him down. See, David had a different perspective. David had different vision. David had, had, he saw things through different lenses. And he wanted to take on this giant. All this was on the line, and David had confidence. You know what the word confidence is derived from? The root word is confide. You know what confide means? means you talk to someone. 
It means you share things with them. It means that you become transparent and vulnerable. You tell people where you're weak, and you tell people where you need help, and, and you confide. And see, David confided in God. Jehoshaphat confided in God. They got their confidence from having confided in God. He knew everything about them and still loved them anyway. So when we get confidence, it comes from communicating with God. And, and here, here's what I want to tell you today as we develop this story real quickly in the next few minutes. This story has been misconstrued and taught to us in a way that I don't agree with all my life. This is one of the first stories they teach you in Sunday school, in kids' church. David and Goliath. David and Goliath. And David was this overwhelmingly unabled, no way he can win, no chance underdog. I bid you today, David was never the underdog. David was not the underdog then, and you are not the underdog today. Whatever giant, whatever Goliath is in your life, you are the favorite you are supposed to win. David was built to win. David was never the underdog. Let me tell you why. I get excited when I see this. David volunteered. David stepped up. He said, I'll face that giant. Because, see, when we finally face our giants, we find out that most often they're not really what we thought they were. Scrap iron wasn't really what I thought he was. It was a one-and-done punch. Jehoshaphat had three tribes coming against him. It wasn't what he thought he was. He didn't even have to fight the battle. David looked at it from this perspective. The same God that delivered the hand of the, the paw of the lion and the bear would deliver this Philistine giant into my hands. David had confidence because he had confided with God. So when you face your giants, what is it that you see? What lenses do you look through? Do you see like... The ten spies saw giant grasshoppers. But Joshua and Caleb said, man, look at those grapes. Same few, same field. Ten of them saw huge giant grasshoppers that, that we could not overcome. But two of them said, I'm getting me some of those grapes. See, they had a different perspective. Joshua and Caleb, they visualized victory. Joshua, Caleb, uh, Jehoshaphat, David. How about Shamgar? I had Chris. Y'all give it up for Chris Horvath. Is he not a man of God? <laughs> Book of Judges tells us about Shamgar. Shamgar killed 600 men with an ox goad. That's an ox goad. He made that for me this week. That's, that's an ox goad. that says, go, go. He's prodding them along, getting them to move, getting them to move. An ox goad. This right here, let me put that into perspective. Shamgar's giant was 600 men. Okay, that's taking everybody, all y'all in here, y'all coming up against me, and I'm going to whip you with this. That's insurmountable, right? That's impossible. But nothing is impossible with God. So as I stand here today, if y'all were to attack me, I'd probably run and see if I could outrun you. But I don't think I could do this. I don't think I could whip you with this. But God says, have confidence. You can because it's not your battle. Use what is in your hand and take care of the giant that you face. So over and over again, all through the Bible, we see all these stories about how 
the overwhelming odds, the underdog was never the underdog. Shemgar wasn't the underdog. Shemgar was the favorite because the Lord was with him and helped him defend what we call the bean patch today. The giant was insulted. While all the others were in, intimidated by the insurmountable, David began to visualize the victory. The giant, insulted by the present and subsequent challenge of David, said this, What am I, a dog, that you would come after me with these sticks? I want you to hear that word. You would come after me with these sticks, plural tense. Make a note about that. I'm going to show you something in just a minute. David was so confident that he just talked trash right back. You see these guys on TV in the NBA, one of them says something, the other one says something back, no, 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 Then one of them pushes the other one and gets ejected. I don't know if you've seen the games or not. They're talking trash back and forth. But here is little David against this 10-foot giant. He's got no chance. And he says, hey, today the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And not only that, giant, big boy, I'm going to take your sword and cut your head off with it. That's Godfidence. The great thing about that is a lot of people that talk trash can't back it up. David backed it up. More than that, he backed it up, and everybody knows it, and we're still talking about it today. David was the favorite, and you're the favorite today. He was never the underdog, for the Lord was with him. There were three types of warriors back in the day. There was the cavalry who came in on horses, armed and loaded. Then there was the infantry. They were the foot soldiers. They came in on foot, right? And then there were the slingers, the projectile warriors. Chris got me this too. Chris, is, he's, he's just amazing. This is what it looked like. See, I had a slingshot when I was a kid. You know those things? This is what it looked like. It was a slinger. And you would put a stone in the leather wrap here, and you would do this right here and sling that thing and get it going as fast as you can, and at the right minute, throw it, and the rock would project at your enemy. Scientists tell us that an expert projectile warrior, a slinger, could throw what was the equivalent of a 100-mile-an-hour fastball at the head of a batter. 100 miles an hour at the head of a batter. See, I believe it this way. I have to visualize it, and I can't see back in those days, but I think about the best pitcher in baseball throwing a 100-mile-an-hour fastball at a guy who has no helmet on and hitting him right here, square between the eyes. Now, here's what's interesting to me. When we look at this story, we know how this story ends. But why was David the favorite? Because, see, David had no intention of fighting Goliath hand-to-hand. -hand. What everybody saw as insurmountable, overwhelming, and undefeatable, David looked at as a sitting duck, an easy target. All that weight and all that size, this guy can't move. It's like SEC football, speed over strength. See, David knew that the giant was a sitting duck as long as he did not get close to him. So he puts on his best Wal Mark Wahlberg imitation in that movie Shooter. He says, I'm not coming up there with you. I'm going to take you out from back here. But watch this. This is what's intriguing to me. We know how the story ends. But if Goliath was so bad, if the story was about Goliath being the guy, 
rather than David. Why is the story not named Goliath and David? See, it's named David and Goliath because every time we talk about the David and Goliath story, we paint David as the underdog. But David won the battle. That's, it's called David and Goliath for a reason. David became the king. Goliath's head got chopped off by his own sword. He was never an underdog. The Lord was with him. Goliath said at one point in time, he said, come to me. It's critical that we understand this. Goliath said, come to me. He called David to him. David said, no, I'm good back here. But why did, why did Goliath call David to him? I've done a lot of study on this, and some of you may have heard this before. But see, I, I researched something, and I don't know if, if Dr. White's here, but acromagali. It's been determined that Goliath suffered from a disease or a disorder called acromagali. Acromagali is a disorder, a benign tumor on the pituitary gland. It's a benign tumor on the pituitary gland that causes the human growth hormone to become overactive. That's what made Goliath so big. He had an overactive human growth hormone. But the side effects of this disease, acromagali, is that it restricts, it restricts the nerve endings to the eyes, thus blurring the vision. They left an opening so he could see. But he said, come to me, because he couldn't go to David. He said, why do you come at me with those sticks? Plural tense. David only had one stick. Double vision, blurred vision. Your giant is not what you think he is. It is not what you face. Sticks. He just had one. David was always the favorite. David was never the underdog. Today, the giant you face has no vision. While you are visualizing the victory, your giant can't see. That batter that you're throwing that 100-mile-an-hour fastball to, that batter's blind as a bat. You will be victorious. Visualize the victory. Today you're facing things and you're looking back, and I'm so excited because it's the second half of the year. Pastor told you last, last week in the halftime adjustments message I used to love halftime as a coach because it gave us a chance to fix all the things we did wrong in the first half. I'm, man, I'm fixing everything. I'm going through everything I've done January through June and saying, I can do that better. I can fix that. I can move this over here. And we need to do this. And, and we need to do this in our finances. And we need to do this. And we need to be better here. It's time to do that for you. And it's also time to face those giants. It's time to face the Goliaths. It's time to face the triune armies that are coming up against you. It's time to face <clears throat> scrap iron. It's time to walk in on your intruder and tell that intruder you got an axe and two thirty-eights. See that giant 
had about as much chance against David as that intruder had against that little lady. The word, your weapon is his word. Use the word as your weapon, always. That's enough. Stand with me. I believe you've gotten. I believe the word has fallen on receptive ears, and I just want to pray. Because, see, I can say anything. I can try to talk you into something, but at the end of the day, it comes down to you confiding with God to build your confidence so that you can visualize the victory and use the weapon as your word. His, your weapon is his word. So as you stand with me today, somebody's going to get free today. I believe that. I've been praying this all week long. You know, in ministry, we, we know some of your situations. You take confidence in us. You confide in us as your pastors. And then what do we do? We don't strategize, we don't prepare, we don't watch game film, we pray. So today, that's what we're going to pray. We're going to spend time in prayer. I believe God's honored the fact that you came today when you didn't have to. I believe your barbecue is going to be better than it was going to be. Your burgers and dogs and steaks and chicken is going to have a little extra flavor because of the favor that you've attained today. If you're out there today and, and you, you sense that, that you're facing giants and you've got hopelessness, you, you're discouraged, you don't think you can win, think you're facing something that might take you out or might cost you your job, might cost you your marriage, addiction, pornography, we'll get all in your business today. God can give you the victory over all that. Visualize the victory. There's an old song that says this, and after I quote this song, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come down and not only receive Jesus if it's your first time salvation, but to rededicate your life if you're not living the way you should in the second half of the year, to set the course for the second half of the year, but also if you are in Christ and you're living for God, but you're facing giants and you need help, we're going to give you a chance to come down and confide in God to build your confidence and understand that you're not an underdog. The old song says it this way, I've got confidence God is going to see me through. No matter what the case may be, I know he's going to fix it for me. It says this in the verse, that Job in his despair, he knew that God still cared. Sleepless days and sleepless nights, Job said, hey, that's all right because I've got confidence. God is going to see me through. No matter what the case may be, I know He's going to fix it for me. Friend, I believe God is speaking to hearts right now. This message, I pray, has stirred you, and there are some who are watching this message who are waiting on the opportunity to give their heart to Jesus Christ. Listen, the greatest day in your life is the day that you give your heart to Jesus Christ and allow Him to become the Lord of your life. And if you want that opportunity, then right now, I want to pray with you. You know, the Bible says in the book of Acts that God commands men and women everywhere to repent, to turn from their sin, and to turn to the living God. 
And the message of hope today for you is that no matter how messed up you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how far away from God you feel, he is only one prayer away. Would you turn your heart toward him right now? Just say, dear God, save me, forgive me, cleanse me of my sin and make me new. I, I confess you as my Lord and Savior, Jesus, and I'm asking you to be the king of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer, let us know today. We wanna make sure you have a Bible. We wanna make sure you know that as a local church here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, someone is praying for you. We hope to see you soon if you're in the Chattanooga area, and if not, get in a Bible-believing church somewhere and grow in your purpose in Christ. We love you. We're praying for you today. God bless you.